Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you all know Employee Cycle. We're that people dashboard that's helping all you HR and people leaders out there stop doing all the manual, tedious, time-consuming HR reporting. That's right. We know how that process goes. You want to understand information about your turnover and recruiting and diversity and performance and engagement until you log into all these different systems and pull out all these messy spreadsheets and put your face in your hand and think, what am I going to do with all of this? But look no further because now you can use Employee Cycle, a people dashboard that has pre-built connectors to all the most popular HR systems you're using. So we simply pull in all your data automatically into one place so you could view, share, track, and analyze all that data data together. Please go to EmployeeCycle.com, check us out. We'd love to chat with you and to give you a demo. But that's enough about us because I would like for you to help me welcome a very special guest and one of our only two-time guests, Emma Brudner. She is the head of people at Regora. And today we're going to discuss how to move to a remote first workforce, which seems to be very popular these days. Emma, Welcome back to the podcast. Woo! Thank you so much, Ruth. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be back talking with you. Awesome. So, Emma, for those that didn't hear this question on the first time you were on the show, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how. And that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? That is a great question. And I have a bit of a unique path. I have actually spent the most, uh, the majority of my career in marketing, and I, I thought I always wanted to be a professional writer. It turns out that that wasn't necessarily for me, and you know, you don't know these things until you <laughs> until you try them. But uh, I, I ended up at HubSpot on the the blog team, and while I was there, I got to you know see the firsthand growth of. This was in 2014. I joined. So pre-IPO, I got to see um, the growth of the PeopleOps team and Katie Burke doing really interesting, innovative things in terms of culture and uh, Katie Burke and team, I should say. And um, I just thought, you know what, that's that's really my passion. So that is what led me to PeopleOps. And since then, I've been in a few different companies. I switched from marketing to PeopleOps and kind of gotten my hand in, in all things HR and people. And it was definitely the right career decision for me. So I am loving it. Awesome. Thanks again for that background. So, Emma, we've been through a lot, pandemic, all the highlights on social issues, you know, high unemployment. There's there's a lot of stuff going on that has really started in 2020, trickled its way into 2021. I like to say that January and February of 2021 are just month 13 and 14 of 2020, because even though we thought everything was going to be different, we're still seeing a lot of the same. However, one of the things that is different is the fact that many companies and many people leaders like yourself are helping their workforces navigate to this thing we're calling remote first. So before we talk about how you made the decision, let's talk about what does it actually mean to have a true remote first workforce? Yeah, yeah. So 
we talked about this. We talked about this a lot, but at Regora, when we were discussing this decision, we we sort of laid out three three models, right? So one of them is an office based culture. So there's everyone who's physically located in the same space. They they go to an office, or at the very least, they're they're somewhere where they can just physically gather, right? That's possible. Then there is hybrid model where you have some people who are in a common location, but then you have some folks who are distributed. Some percentage of your workforce is not near that location or locations if you have multiple offices. Um, And then what we called remote first was this model where we are just, we're going to hire folks regardless of where they are. We're going to be fully distributed, not maintain uh, a physical office or maintain a very small one that's not meant for folks to physically gather every day. So those are the three options that we that we considered and we landed on remote first. It's interesting because when I hear remote first, it reminds me of when apps say that they're mobile first. Yeah. So they have a mobile app that they really want users to rely on. And then they have this website thing that you can actually access from your computer for people who may not have a phone or for other yep. people, but for the most part, everyone really should be on the app. And so that's kind of what it sounds like for you. If people end up working in the vicinity of where your headquarters is or where the company was founded, then that's all fine and dandy. But for the most part, you really are looking for the best talent regardless of where they're located. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And, and we want to really encourage folks to uh, to work from home where possible, right? Because I mean, one of the big considerations against uh, hybrid, <laughs> the, a hybrid model actually was that it is sort of the kind of the worst of both worlds, right? Because if you have um, this in-office culture and then you have folks who are distributed, right? There's always going to, it's almost like you create two cultures at once, right? You have the in-office experience, you have the distributed experience. And uh, you know, the distributed folks are always going to feel less included. The in-office folks are going to, it's, you know, they're going to, oh yeah, shoot, we have to think about the folks who are not here as an afterthought, right? Like it, it's always going to be that that tension. And so what we really decided on to, to do, go remote first was in the name of focus and saying that, you know what, if we are trying to do both things, we're probably not going to do either of them very well. But if we're saying, you know what, our number one um, experience for most people is working from home then we it's a forcing function to make us be really awesome at remote work, right? Because if not, we're always going to kind of have, you know, a foot in one door, a foot in the other. And I have to say that um, I talked with a bunch of other people leaders at fully remote companies that, that helped make this decision. And that the, the kind of worst of both worlds um, tip was uh, from Leah Nobler at, at Help Scout, who runs recruiting at Help Scout. And um, that was it was like such a light bulb moment for me of like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, that's kind of hybrid is, is sort of a one foot in both places and, and neither one of them are necessarily, there's no forcing function to be great at either, right? I love that. Making sure that you don't have the worst of both worlds. I think, <laughs> I think, I think that's something I'm going to internalize into my own vocabulary <laughs> in, in regards to how I just think about life. But <laughs> I have a question for you. You know, I, I want to make this interview and this conversation as tangible as possible. So I'm going to break this up into a few sections. And the first that I want to ask you is for those that are not quite sure if remote first or remote is for them at all, whether it's the type of work that they do or the culture or where they're located or for a lot of different reasons, but they're still on the fence trying to figure out if this actually could work. What's the first step that a company should be thinking about? Is it 
starting with the pros and cons? Is it trying to get buy-in from the leadership team? What, where should you start if you want to even start thinking about whether or not a remote first workforce can work for you? Yeah, I, I, I think about doing a bottom-up and a, and a top-down approach. Um, I mean, one of the reasons why this decision was that, that we ended on this decision was frankly because during the pandemic in 2020, the company had hired had started hiring folks outside of Boston, um, and and started to have real success with you know distributed workers and saying, oh wow, we're we're recruiting awesome people, right? And they were having a they were having a great experience too. It wasn't like you know these folks were unengaged compared to the folks who were in the Boston area or they weren't you know being as effective as their job, right? Like they're they're they were having a good experience, so. Um, I mean, that was a big consideration for us was when we sat down and really started thinking about this, we already had, you know, 25, 30% of our, of our workforce was not in the Boston area. Right. So then it's sort of like, well, I don't even think we can do a real in-office model just by the nature of where folks, by the nature of our workforce today. So I would say first that, that, you know, consider where your, your folks are today, right? If you have everybody who's in the same area and that's working great for you, right? Like there, you know, like, um, there, there might not be as much of an argument for on a recruiting side of why you would need to do remote first, right? Or, you know, let's say that you have remote folks, but you know, the, there's something about the experience that's, that's not as, um, you know, those, those experiences are, have a discrepancy in terms of one is, you know, people are more productive, less productive, they feel more or less connected, right? So, so that's something to consider, you know, how, how are people experiencing the different, you know, modes of working? So it's kind of the, the bottom up, right? Like get that, get that information from your employees. In terms of the top down, uh, another piece of a great advice that I got from Leah Nobler, who I can't think enough with that, your leadership needs to be really committed to uh, remote first. If you're going to do remote model, right, it, it can't be kind of waffling like, well, we're kind of going to do remote, but we're kind of not, right? Like, you got to be all in. Because again, if, if the if the goal here is focused and doing one thing really well, it's <laughs> waffling is not going to work, right? And and that has to come from, from the leadership. So um, that was something I had a lot of conversations with our CEO about our extended leadership team, right? And, um, you know, people had had different opinions. But at the end of the day, I mean, we made this decision and, and you know, stand in it, like, this is what we're going to do. So, um, you know, again, I it's it's that waffling, right? It, it, leadership really has to stand firm in this. And, and that's another thing that we had that, again, made that decision, led us closer to the remote first decision. I like that you said, if everyone is already working in the same location, or the same geographical area and is working for you, then it might not be as much of a business case. But there seems to be a lot of companies right now who have all their employees working in the same exact physical location, but they're still thinking about and exploring remote first. Do you think if a larger percent, if not all of your employees were already working in Boston, that you still would have went to remote first? Maybe not. Honestly, maybe not. You know, I think that on my own reflection, and, and we're still very early in this journey, so I know there's going to be tons of lessons along the way, right? And we're going to make mistakes, and that's just the reality of it. But I'm, I really buy into this idea of focus, right? And, and having one experience that, uh, or, or one experience to, to the extent that you can have the majority of people on it that, that you make really great, right? And I, I think about culture a lot like product design, you know, like what are the features of your product and what are the things that you don't do, right? Like, this are my old CEO at Lola, Mike Volpe, right, would, would say that it's it's not a great plan to try to be all things to all people because then you just don't do anything well. So I do think that maybe if, if we had more 
of our folks located in Boston and we, you know, everybody was gung ho about returning to the office, like maybe we would, right? And we'd may we'd have a really awesome in-office experience when it was safe to do so, right? That just wasn't the that wasn't the case with our particular workforce at this time. Got it. That makes sense. So for the listeners out there hearing what you're saying, they heard you say, you know, do some type of survey, poll, ask your employees, see what the temperature is like in regards to them wanting to be remote first and then doing the top down approach to make sure you get that buy in and that your leadership team is not waffling, as you put it. So you get buy in, employees say, yay, let's do it. Remote first. I can stay home with my cat and work from home with my feet up. I'm super excited. What does it look like to actually execute on this plan? What am I doing to really put this in motion and get everybody on the same page so that we all have the same expectations in regards to what it truly means to be a remote first? Yeah. And, and honestly, we are, we are on that journey right now. <laughs> we are just at the start of that journey. And um, again, I've gotten a lot of great advice from folks at remote first companies, which has been amazing. But I think that the number one piece of advice I've heard from uh, remote first companies, Zapier, Help Scout, Basecamp, right, is the more deliberate and structured you can be, the better. And I noticed some people, it's like, oh man, structure, who wants that? Lame, right? But like, because there is, there's no, um, you know, quote unquote, water cooler conversation, you're not just going to serendipitously bump into people. You really have to be intentional about culture. Right. So how are people going to gather? What are those systems and mechanisms by which people meet and talk? And, you know, whether that's a recurring meeting or a lunch or a, you know, a club or something like that. Right. What are those structures? Same thing in terms of how you communicate and collaborate with folks. So what are the tools that we use for what? Right. Like if I need to send a quick message to someone, do I do it via Slack and email or email? Do I when we have meetings, do we do it via Zoom or do we have phone calls? Right. And not saying that everybody has to, you know, follow every single one of these guidelines to the letter, but at least having some stakes in the ground around how we do things here at that, that highest level so that people uh, have something to, you know, grab onto when they, when they join and also, you know, the folks, the folks who are here. So um, again, it's not just you, 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 you lose some of that osmosis, right. When you're all sitting next to each other, but uh, so, so to be as deliberate as possible with, with those structures and those guidelines, I think is, is at least from what I've heard from other companies, what has been really helpful. And that's exactly what we're, what we're starting to do is put those structures in place. That makes a lot of sense. What I've heard from other people that I've interviewed and from some of our customers who are going remote first is that the biggest word that they keep reminding themselves about is intentionality. Yep. Being intentional. You have to be more intentional. Everything has to be more intentional. You're not going to have those random walk by some person hear what they said oh we just went to mexico oh i went to mexico too then you just have this random conversation about it you have to be super intentional so that definitely makes sense one of the areas that i've been hearing a lot of concern about is regarding training managers to be great remote managers and although everyone says managers should never be really this big brother person looking over the person's shoulder to make sure that they're working. So many managers, whether they say it or not, really operate in that lens. And it might not necessarily be I'm looking over your shoulder, but it is, okay, this person is showing up and I, I see that they're engaged and I can, I can feel the temperature around their mood or 
how they're operating with other people. And maybe I can now see that there might be a potential flight risk or turnover risk. But now I have no insight into any of that. So how are you going about making sure that your managers are properly are properly properly trained and ready to be great remote first managers? Yeah, yep. Manager training is something we're also we're talking about quite a bit at Regora right now. But but my thoughts on on remote first management is is two things. Again, to replace that to your point you walk past someone and you kind of get a vibe of how you're feeling today, right? But when you don't have that, you know, I think it's on managers to, again, create those structures on their team. You know, do you have a team check-in? Do you have a, do you have a morning slack, you know, check-in with people? Do you have a Zoom meeting every day at the end of the day? Or, you know, not every day or every other day or a week. Or, you know what I mean? Like, what are the mechanisms by which you're checking in with people? And then what are the questions that you're bringing to that too, right? Like, if you want to be very intentional about, you know, how, how someone is feeling about their, you know, their jobs, their life, their whatever it is, right? Like, um, it's, I think it's on managers to, you know, prompt people and, and have those, have those discussions. Um, so I think that that's one thing, at least from the, you know, checking in on, on folks from a, you know, human and human perspective, how they're feeling, how they're doing at work. The other thing though, in terms of, of management that I think about a lot is managing by outcomes. So to me, I think good managers are, are folks that set very clear goals and uh, outcomes for folks, expectations about, okay, by, you know, this such and such a date, you're going to have achieved, you know, X, Y, Z, and I'm here to support you along the way. And so there's, there's absolutely no, you know, there's no lack of clarity around, oh, what's expected of me or what are my goals or any of that, right? And so, I mean, I think if anything, remote is a really <laughs> powerful forcing function for if you weren't managing on, on outcomes before, right? Like, well, you have to now <laughs> because, you know, frankly, there's there's no line of sight into what this person does all day. And and honestly, I don't think that matters a ton in you know the knowledge economy, at least, right? Like, we're not concerned with how many hours somebody is working at a computer. Um, we're concerned with, you know, what are the goals that they're achieving? What's their output? What is their outcome and their impact? you know, and, and it's much easier to quantify, you know, some like, oh, well, you have to work eight hours at such and such time. But, but none of that really actually makes a difference on business results, right? So I always, I always, you know, try to redirect managers to like, okay, but, you know, let's not talk about the tasks or the, you know, daily day to day stuff that someone that you want someone to do, what is the outcome of those things and get clarity around that and set expectations around those things. Got it. And so the last question that I want to ask you is more about your role. You know, our audience is primarily made up of people in HR, people ops. And so I would like to end this interview by asking you, how have you mentally and professionally prepared yourself to be the best head of people possible for a remote team? You know, so many HR and people leaders that I speak with say that, one of the reasons why they might not even want to work for a remote first company is because they like the interaction. They're people, people. They really like the interaction to be able to sit in front of their team and really help them thrive and, and inspire them and motivate them and do all the things that HR and people leaders like to do. But you get all that extra energy from that in person. And so how did you prepare yourself mentally to say, all right, all those things that I have done in the past in person, I'm now going to have to be a lot more intentional and more creative in doing this in a remote first environment. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a really good point. And, and I don't think it was as much of a, I don't think it's been as much of a transition for me personally, um, just because I have worked at a bunch of companies that were very friendly with, 
work from home. You know, I have a two year old son. So my, you know, my, I've always worked from home a few days a week. You know, I've always had kind of a more of a flexible schedule. And, and that was especially, you know, HubSpot, Lola, Clavio, like that was kind of the norm, right? Like people, um, people did work from home. So it it wasn't as much of a, um, of a shock to say, oh, I can't, you know, I don't understand the, the, um, parallels of how to do something in person remotely. Like I've never done that before. Like, right. I've had practice on this for, for years. The difference is, you know, doing it all the time versus, you know, sometimes, um, and that's been an adjustment, right? Like I have to be on myself, just like I said, with, with managers and be very diligent about and deliberate with checking in with people and creating those structures by which, you know, people collaborate and people communicate and, and, um, congregate, you know, get to know each other. But I think the last thing I'll I'll say too is another, another thing I think about in terms of being deliberate and saying, Hey, we're going to be remote first is that once you put that out to the world, you start to attract people who want to be, who want to work remotely, right? Understanding that, you know, you're not going to work in person, understanding that there is going to be a lot more asynchronous, probably written communication. You know, again, I think that's, that's a strength of, of being very firm footed in that decision, because then you, you attract those people who, who want to do that, right? It's not that people who want to work in person will, will, you are probably not going to, you know, want to apply your company. And that's okay. Again, like thinking about culture, like product design, you know, who are we for and who are we not for? That's all right. Emma, thanks so much for being a authentic, awesome, very <laughs> special repeat guest on the Employees <laughs> Podcast. Really happy to chat with you again. And so glad that you're, you know, doing the damn thing at Regora and helping them navigate to a remote first workforce. So thanks so much. Woo! <laughs> <Emma>! <laughs> I right. love the intro and outro. It's so great. Well, thanks so much for having me, Bruce. It was a pleasure as always. Yeah, sure. So where can people find you and Regora online? Yeah. Um, well, regora.com is always a good place to start. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I live on LinkedIn all day. I'm a breadner. Um, I have a Twitter. I'm a, I, at EmmaJS24. Not as, not as great on Twitter, um, but you can definitely find me there. Um, and then lastly, I also write for Inc. So if you, um, my, my column is called Wicked Loving Management. And so if you can check me out there. You can find Emma on all the things, doing all the things everywhere, on all the places. Super, super awesome. So honored to have you again on the show. So, and we'll include all that, we'll include all that info in the show notes as well. But if you enjoyed this episode with me and Emma again, then please leave us five-star rating and some notes on iTunes to show that we're providing great content. Also, if this is the very first time you're listening to our episode and you wanted to hear Emma spit out all her wisdom, or you just thought that this topic was super cool, but now you're hungry for more episodes, then please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast players. And last but not least, all you super awesome HR and people leaders, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.